Okay, let's look here in Matthew chapter 28, and I want to look at the word observe tonight. Observe. I think if you look in modern day dictionary definitions of that word, you'll see uh, that typically it just means to like sit back and watch something, right? But it's, it's kind of, it's one of those words that's evolved through the years, the English language. Sometimes certain words change through the years. And <clears throat> really in this context, it means to watch study, no, but then to take into action, to actually apply it to your life. So the sign for, the ASL sign for observe is like this, to observe, but it probably for this message would be like observe, like you're going to get active, you're going to get busy doing it, okay? And that's why Jesus uses that word here, of course, as it was translated into English, the old English word observe means actually to get busy and get active. Now, there's certain things that we do as Americans, we know that, uh, that, that are just, we know we observe every year. Okay, this Monday is Labor Day, right? And on Labor Day, most people don't labor, right? Amen. How many of you are off on Monday that normally work on Monday, right? What a blessing to have a holiday off and call it Labor Day. Um, I, knowing my wife, Claire will still have school on Monday, correct? She'll still have school. And now that we just have ones, and I was like, whatever, man. She can do whatever she wants now. And you're getting softer in your old years. I've noticed that, all right? The principal may have to get a little bit more now. But uh, anyway, so we have this day that we observe. We have, um, we have a, you know, a Veterans Day coming up soon. We have Thanksgiving. We have Christmas. And, of course, many Americans love Halloween, right? And there's just certain things that as a whole we observe. Now, when it comes to the church, uh, I think there's some things that are just non-negotiables when it comes to observing as the Christian. Um, I, I believe, so I was studying this, and, and as I, I've used this illustration before, when I was in Bible college studying to, to, be a, to be a pastor and studying the subject of preaching, I actually took a class called Preaching One and Preaching Two and flunked out of both class. No, no, but anyway, I, I took those two classes on preaching, and one of the things, the, the teacher, I had the same teacher for both classes, and he said, when you preach, never use the word things because it's too generic, it's too general. Uh, be more specific when you tell people. Then I started reading the Bible and finding out that God loves the word things a lot, right? God uses things a lot. And, and I, as I studied, and I, got, I, got, and I knew what that, that professor meant. I understood what he meant. You're right, be more specific. But I think it's interesting that God uses the word things a lot because that gives the Holy Spirit an opportunity to work on someone's heart. When you're reading a verse like this, as we sit out there, as I'm studying it, and by the way, the way I read this verse tonight, something the Holy Spirit might speak to my heart about might be different than what he speaks to my heart about in November or next uh, February or March, right? So things consist of, of, uh, of, of a, well, a whole load of things. I mean, there's a whole lot of things that we could put into that category, right? But as I was studying and thinking about how Jesus now is saying, he's saying, okay, hey, I'm getting ready to check out of here. And he's already hyped up the Holy Spirit. He said, hey, I've got to leave because you're going to get the Holy Spirit. You're going to get the comforter, and it's going to be amazing. He then says that the Holy Spirit's going to guide us into all things and all truth. We understand that at the time that Jesus said that, we didn't, they didn't have a complete copy of the Word of God. We tonight have the luxury of having the complete Bible in our lap. What a blessing, Amen. We have the word of God. So when it comes to the fulfillment center, here, here's the thing, this is part two tonight. I think when it's all said and done, what Jesus really wants from this command, from his great commission to the local church, is this simple thought, okay? Here's, here's what I want us to look at here, okay? 
there has to be some evidence of Christian living in your life. I think that's what it is. And that's why, as I just said a while ago, different times of the year, different seasons of life, God may speak to my heart about certain things uh, differently than he does other things, right? Uh, sometimes you'll be more sensitive to things. Uh, maybe, maybe forgiveness becomes heavier at one time. Then another time of your life, you feel led to take a stronger stand for the truth. And sometimes exterior circumstances, what's going on in the country, what's going on in society, all those things can influence. But as Christians, we should be observing, observing these things so that we are ready to reach back and take out the weapon of choice that applies to the need of the hour, right? Not necessarily the weapon, but maybe the tool of choice for the need of the hour. Now, sometimes we have to fight, and sometimes we have to build and love. Again, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the principle of there's a time for this and a time for that, a time to live, a time to die, a time, time, time. We know that famous chapter in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So tonight I want us to look at that. Tonight I think it's very important for us on this Wednesday evening to, to, to make sure that we are living in such a way that there is evidence of Christian living in our lives. There are many people that still attend church in America, but if you were to have an investigator follow them around on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday until the next time they go to church, they would have a hard time finding evidence of Christian living. Um, the Bible says in the book of Acts that they were first called Christians where? At Antioch. Now remember, this is so important. It doesn't say they were first declared Christians. It says they were first called. It means that the Christians did not stand up and say, hey, everybody, we came up with a title for us. We want you to start calling us Christians. No, the Bible teaches in that context there that the world called them Christians, meaning there was evidence, evidence for that that name. There was evidence. There was a lifestyle. There was a belief system. There was, there was behavior that showed the world that they reflect Jesus Christ and his teachings, right? Now, today, I feel like discipleship has become more about, about just sitting around and drinking coffee, and that's, that's, one, that's the first bad step right there. I mean, why would you waste time drinking coffee at something like that and ruin the, uh, a spiritual moment, right? But, uh, but, but sitting around, and then really, we've just gotten to the point now where people just want to, all they want to do is express and talk about the problems. Now, don't misunderstand me. I understand there's a time and a place for that. But you're not really getting discipled if all you do is sit around and just talk about each other's problems all the time. There's this new movement in America now where when people sit down and have this, they studies, they just say, okay, now, this week, before we start with the Bible, tell us one bad thing that happened to you this week and one good thing that happened to you this week. And, and they all take turns giving the testimony of that. And, and I just, I don't know what that benefits. I don't think that's what Jesus is talking about here. I mean, I don't know that we should be sharing our bad things unless, you know, especially if it's a sin or something, right? Unless you're really asking for prayer. The point I'm trying to make is we have gotten to where it's, we, we, have, we have custom designed discipleship to just scratch our backs, make us feel good. When the fact of the matter is true discipleship is saying, hey, there's a standard of Christian living. And we also strive to get to that standard as best as we can. We will never get to it, but we can strive to. There needs to be evidence of Christian living. There has to be able, the world has to be able to look at us sometimes and say, wow, there's evidence of it, all right? Are we reading our Bible every day? That's one big step. That's one big point. Praying, uh, being faithful to church. Uh, today, Christians in America, it's just, it's blunt, but it's the truth. They prioritize sports over church. They do. We won't miss practices and games, but we'll miss church. 
I mean, biblically speaking, that's not good evidence to the world. When the world looks at us and says, you put sports, I'm not, I'm for sports. I love sports. We have a basketball and volleyball program here. I love sports, but not at the expense of compromising the essence and importance of church, right? Jesus didn't purchase the football and basketball programs of the world, but he purchased the church with his own blood. So there's a balance there, and we as Christians today should live in such a way that the world says, yeah, that family, they are Christians. And if you ask a lost person or ask a coworker, they should be able to say, yeah, they observe it. They, we use that word a lot. They observe. Uh, pretty soon, Muslims will be observing Ramadan. You know what that is, right? For a solid month, I believe, they don't eat anything during the sun's hours of being out. They fast, and they'll still pray five times a day. And our society today, our country today, has catered to them. And allowed them, to, even at work now, many workplaces, big companies will allow Muslims to leave their workplace, to go to some private room, to get on their knees, get on a mat, and pray towards Mecca five times a day while they're working. And Christians sometimes say, well, why don't we get that? Well, I don't mean to be mean right here. Maybe the world looks at us and says, there's no evidence of your Christianity. The Muslims have more evidence of their faith than Christians do in America today. Now, I'm not scolding the church by saying that. I'm saying the point is we have dropped the ball and not emphasized discipleship enough, and that's why we see what we see today. So Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 28, he says, go. All right. Again, I think we're doing a good, pretty good job of that. We can always do more. Go. Go, you therefore. Go, go, go. Teach. Baptize. Get them saved. All right. But then teaching them. So it's interesting. He says, go, teach, baptize. We know that first teach is obviously as to get them saved, to teach the gospel to them. But then it says, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. All right? So church tonight, it is important that we leave a trail behind us so if someone picks up our scent, they're able to say, yeah, he smells like a Christian. She looks like a Christian. They act like a Christian. My grandma used to talk like that. My grandpa used to act like that. Boy, you go to church three times a week. What's wrong with you? And, and they just, they're puzzled by it. But then eventually they have some kind of a respect for it because Christianity is genuine to us that really observe and live by those principles, okay? So that's what I want to share with you tonight. And the subject of observing means we have to take these truths and then live them out in our lives, okay? There has to be evidence. That's, that's the key. So tonight, I want you to just take some in inventory tonight. Look, look, in, look in your own hearts tonight. This isn't about comparing with each other. I, I need to do this myself. Is there evidence at your workplace? I mean, do people at your workplace here, you swear along with them? Do you? There's this new movement in America that it's, it's called Christian cussing. <laughs> I think that's funny. That's what it's called, Christian cussing. All right? Now, I grew up in a world of cussing. You know, I've always thought cussing was not that big a deal, but I got saved, was taught that it's not good to say certain words. This Sunday night I'm preaching on five-letter words. Everybody gets nervous about four-letter words, but there's good four-letter words. Did you know that? Love is a four-letter word. Here's another one. Food. Did you know coffee is a six-letter word? Six is the number of man. Six, six, six. See, you should not be drinking coffee. Once again, I'm showing you biblically why it's dangerous for you, because I'm sincerely concerned for you all. All right, so, so tonight... Look at that. Look, look, look inventory. Look inside. Look in the mirror. Look in the mirror of the word of God and just say, is there evidence? If I had somebody take me 
to court, so to speak, and prove that I was a Christian? Would even a demon show up at court and say, oh, yeah, man, that dude right there is a Christian, man. He makes me work overtime all the time. In fact, I always get a break when he sleeps. I get excited when he sleeps at night, and then I dread when he gets up in the morning, right? You've heard that saying before that be the kind of Christian when you wake up in the morning, the devil says, oh, no, he's up again, right? I like that quote. There's a lot of truth to that. But, 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 but is there evidence? Is there evidence, all right? So let's, let's bow our heads real quickly tonight, and let's go ahead and bow our heads in, in, in prayer just briefly. Ocean fish. 